Thank you, Axel. Thank you, Jordan. First of all, I think we're debating a little apples and oranges here because I interpreted this as preoperative chemo, chemo radiation. I did not hear a good argument at all with regard to preoperative chemo radiation in this group of patients. And I kind of took the tack that I think that's the He's so, conceding. So, so for, first of all, and, and also the, the issue about defining the subset of patients. So you heard already we, we're trying to narrow this debate into the resectable patient. And when one thinks about the definition of the spectrum of resectability, there's certainly that technical, that technical determination from imaging, high-quality imaging studies from the proximity to the vascular structure, the SMV, the SMA, for example, so from resectable to borderline to locally advanced. We're not talking about that borderline group where there, I think there's a, I would concede that in the borderline group of patients, that is the group where new adjuvant therapy uh, should be considered. And perhaps even there's a role in arterially, uh, in arterial involvement there may even be a role for neoadjuvant chemoradiation therapy. But really, we're going to be focusing on the resectable group. In addition to the technical aspects, there are some oncologic risks. So even in the, in the patient who has imaging that suggests it potentially resectable, one can group them into low and high risk based on the size, based on uh, CA199, for example, enlarged lymph nodes, and so forth. So one could, could say that in the oncologically high-risk patient, those patients, that may be a different subset of patients where we may consider how we sequence the different therapies. And similarly, the location, the body and tail versus head. A lot of the data you saw was focused on tumors in the head of the pancreas in which issues with regard to failure to deliver post-operative adjuvant therapy really focuses on that group of patients. So resection in the body and tail, those are typically patients, even perhaps Jordan would concede, those are patients that perhaps should be offered preoperative upfront surgery in that subset of patients. So as we talked about, what are we really debating here? And again, it's how we interpreted the question of the debate. When one thinks about the management of resectable pancreatic cancer, are we thinking about neoadjuvant chemotherapy or neoadjuvant chemoradiation therapy? And then with upfront surgery, what is the, is it postoperative adjuvant therapy? And I think based on the Prodige 6 data that you've already seen these data, postoperative fulfirinox, no limited role for at least in a margin negative resection for adjuvant chemoradiation therapy. And so I think the data is clear in the up, if upfront surgery is done, that fulfirinox is the regimen. So that's real, but this is really our debate, at least I've interpreted as the role of neoadjuvant chemoradiation therapy. You saw in Jordan's first uh, title slide, he jumped right to the debate that he's taking the side of, chemo, of neoadjuvant chemotherapy alone. So I think it, perhaps that's an area where we may have some agreement. But the real the question, are we debating neoadjuvant therapy versus upfront surgery, or are we debating chemoradiation versus chemotherapy alone? Let's look at the NCCA guidelines. If you look at the current guidelines from 2019, resectable patients proceed with surgery. No neoadjuvant therapy is the recommended, uh, uh, recommended situation in this case. You see the alternative choice is to consider neoadjuvant therapy. So still the standard in 2019, at least based on the NCCN guidelines, is upfront surgery. And if you look in the guidelines, the post-operative recommendation, here the regimens state both preferred either fulfirinox or in this case gem, uh, gem capecitabine, but I think now get, 
Based on these data, you saw a median overall survival of over 50 months in the Prodige 6 trial that modified fulfirinox postoperatively the standard in patients who get upfront surgery. Again, in that option in the NCCN guidelines to consider only neoadjuvant therapy in the resectable patients, if you look, they, it's only in those patients with high-risk features, including imaging, as I mentioned, high CA199, a relatively small set. So if we're debating the patient who does not have high-risk features, easily resectable cancer, I think at least based on the current guidelines, the recommendation is upfront surgery. And even if you look at the choice of regimens of the neoadjuvant, including chemo versus chemo radiation therapy, NCCN guidelines is fairly unclear as to what the regimen that's recommended. So when one thinks of the rationale for therapy, as you've heard for pancreatic cancer, early therapy for radiographically <laughs> occult micrometic static disease at distant sites. That's certainly an argument with any therapy, neoadjuvant or postoperative. The argument that it avoids, the, uh, avoids morbidity, uh, avoids the morbid surgical therapy of those patients that develop metastases during the neoadjuvant therapy. One can use that argument uh, for any, any, uh, uh, any situation in which neoadjuvant therapy is considered. But the reality is in resectable disease, the, the mainstay of curative therapy is the surgical therapy. An argument is that it increases the number of patients receiving or completing adjuvant therapy, as you've heard. And indeed, there is some morbidity associated with some operations that could limit the ability to get postoperative adjuvant therapy. It may improve the performance status of those undergoing pancreatic oduodenectomy. One could argue the opposite, that neoadjuvant therapy, particularly if one is offering a regimen such as fulfirinox, may beat up the patient, if you will, make the, diff make the major surgery more difficult in those patients following neoadjuvant therapy. And the last argument is to improve the R0 resection rate. Really, when one thinks about the argument, for example, in body and tail tumors, really the issue of morbidity of surgery or the ability to not to deliver postoperative adjuvant therapy is not a real issue. And the margin, as you've already heard, it's really radiation therapy perhaps that only plays a role in, in achieving increasing R0 resection rates and not specifically to improve survival. And we've talked about the margin status and why the role of radiation therapy. The argument's been made that preoperative chemo radiation therapy should be offered to these patients. One argument being that the R0 resection rate is higher. But even in the historic data, these are data comparing MD Anderson, where preoperative chemo radiation therapy was used routinely compared to Johns Hopkins, where upfront surgery was done. You can see the R1 rate at the, in, the, in these historic data were much higher. But in fact, the vascular resections, for example, were much more aggressive in the MD Anderson compared to the Hopkins data. These now have changed, so now R0 resection rates, even in borderline cases, typically are in the range of 90% R0 resection rates. And in the resectable patient, it's, uh, R1 is really in the, in the low single digits in most series. So really, the ad advantage of neoadjuvant therapy to improve uh, margin rates are really not uh, any better. Here's a study looking at preoperative fulfirinox without radiation therapy, and here this, even the data on preoperative chemotherapy alone may also help to facilitate uh, margin negative rates in the borderline. This is a small study of borderline resectable pancreatic cancer patients in which R0 resection rate just with preoperative chemotherapy alone can uh, enjoy R0 resection rates of 90% or so. 
you know, I won't spend time on the on the the uh, the disadvantages of preoperative chemo radiation therapy. We don't have a lot of data on this, but these are data on postoperative radiation therapy. The SPAC one study that suggested that not only the potentially increased in morbidity of offering radiation therapy, but these data did not show any benefit, survival benefit, in patients undergoing, in this case, postoperative radiation therapy. So there is an increased enthusiasm for using neoadjuvant chemotherapy alone. Uh, in part, this was a, a dis, uh, discouraging among many surgeons, in part because the relatively ineffective systemic therapies suggesting that curative therapy, the curative surgery should be done up front. Now as we have Im improving systemic regimens, I think this is a legitimate argument to offer aggressive combination therapy up front in, in resectable patients, but it still has yet to be proven. Newer combinations of therapy are demonstrating benefit, particularly in the post-operative adjuvant setting, as you've heard. And while trials are ongoing, its use is really focused more on the borderline cases. In the resectable patients, we should still be thinking about upfront surgery, particularly the role of chemoradiation therapy, if one's going to consider that preoperatively. The other final point is really assessment of the tumor is key. And you heard a lot of data in the last two days that next generation sequencing and genomic profiling is important. More and more, this is going to be a critical part of how we manage patients, including patients with pancreatic cancer. The problem is the current strategies of biopsying are really limited in the ability to really fully interrogate the malignancy. EUS-guided EUS biopsy really has it's difficult to develop a full NGS sequencing. This is one study that suggested 29, 30% of the samples were inadequate. Those EUS FNA biopsies, less than half were adequate to be able to really do deep sequencing in these patients. So, so the argument is that if we really want to fully interrogate that tumor, we need to have it out and to study it prior to offering therapies. Now, does neoadjuvant chemotherapy or chemoradiation therapy impact the ability of the gene signature? We don't have good data with that on, on pancreatic cancer, but we know other malignancies such as breast cancer, for example, that signature is changed by that neoadjuvant therapy. And so one advantage of upfront surgery in an easily resectable case is to really understand the full uh, molecular biology of that disease. So in conclusion, in patients with resectable disease, resection first followed by postoperative adjuvant therapy remains the preferred standard uh, based on, on trials, including the Pro PRODIGE-6 trial, which showed a clear benefit of postoperative fulfirinox in those patients. The main goal of preoperative uh, therapy is really to achieve that negative margin as well as uh, treat um, a microscopically occult metastatic disease at distance sites. There's, uh, it's less applicable in that resectable patient. It's really the borderline patients where one needs to think about neoadjuvant therapy. And the really particularly preoperative chemoradiation therapy is really the goal of achieving R0, not really an issue, rarely a, a, an issue in the, in the resectable patients. R1 resection is, uh, and, the, and the morbidity, the things we were talking about that Dr. Berlin emphasizes, the advantages of preoperative therapy, for example, don't apply in the body and tail in uh, cancers in which distal pancreatectomy is a relatively low morbidity, in which patients recover more rapidly and can uh, get postoperative adjuvant therapy. 
So upfront surgery and may have better molecular profiling in these patients, another advantage to upfront surgery. So therefore, at least currently, postoperative adjuvant fulfirinox in the resectable patient is the way to go. Thank you. Thank you.